the intro should be, I hate your hair. Welcome to Beauty and the Ghee, the podcast about jujitsu and life on and off the mat. I'm Jen Eads, a white belt full of curiosity and questions about all things jujitsu. And you can hang out with me on Instagram at Brassy Broad Jen. And I'm AJ Klingerman, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu purple belt, obsessed with jiu-jitsu still. And you can find me on Instagram and really everywhere as AJ Klingerman. And you can find us together in this podcast at Beauty and the Ghee podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. Oh, because we have the Beauty and the Ghee gang. Yeah. So if you just can't get enough of us. (laughs) (laughs) Need more of us. Come find us on Facebook at Beauty and the Gee Gang. Okay, AJ, we've got some Q&A from camp. Yeah. Yeah, this was fun. So we got to do like a panel mm-hmm. um, after the workshop. So some of the questions do come off of the workshop, like follow-up questions from those. Um, but yeah, I think it's some great information that we really just thought everyone would enjoy. So here's the Q&A from Role Model Camp 2020. Do you have any recommendations for hydration other than water? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Basically, any drink with electrolytes is something that you can use. Um, But is there anything specific as far as why you wouldn't want to have water for hydration? Or like, what is your what is your reasoning for that question? Because I I just can't drink enough water. It's too boring. Okay. Okay. That is something I get a lot. And I'll give you some suggestions. So my biggest suggestions... um, Try flavoring it with things like, you know, lemon and cucumber waters and things like that that can make it more flavorful um, to make you do it. Other things could be changing the amount. So sometimes it could be daunting when I say like 20 ounces of water. But if you think of it in small four ounce servings and like you have a four ounce glass and I tell my students set timers on your phone every hour to remind yourself of when to drink. And then if it's a smaller amount, it's more doable and that adds up. So that could be less intimidating. Um, And one of my favorite ways is BCAAs because it just gives you some of the natural energy. A lot of times you don't have caffeine, which I recommend. And so that is another way that can flavor your water if you get bored of water. So there's really some ways to flavor it. And just if you're intimidated by drinking too much, focus on a smaller amount. Or I personally have a gallon that lists the times. Like I have a gallon of water that lists times. And then I try to hit that gallon. My issue is I like cold water. So what I'll do is I have my gallon and then a small glass that I have with ice. And then I just make sure I keep pouring it in there. And then that is just like a marker for me to make sure I get my hydration in. Um, But I would say start with that before you add the sugary beverages. For Jessica. I recently canceled my gym membership, my traditional gym, not my my, um, jujitsu gym. So what are some strength training things I can do at home? And then to kind of build up my home gym, what would be the first things you would buy for just a home gym? This was actually something big that we had to do when we transitioned. We had to shut down everything for um, two months. So besides the fact that I rented out all of my equipment in my gym, which was actually pretty smart, I recommended that people look at resistance band training. They are portable. Uh, As far as the bands go, the ones that I prefer are, I'm not sure what the brand is called, but they're specifically used to assist you with 
pull-ups and stuff like that. And you can usually get them in a pack of four or five for like 35 bucks, something like that. And then there's uh, other bands that I recommend that people grab are, um, they're the small loop bands that you can put around your knees or your ankles. Like they're just smaller and they're in sort of circular shapes. Because there's a lot of variety you can get from that. So when we were talking about exercise variation, ways to create variation in your workout is through tempos, through a pause. Other things are um, how well do you perform the basic movements at all? Can you do a pull-up? Can you do a push-up? Can you do a squat? All these things. And then you build from the floor up. So before you even look at bands or anything like that, ask yourself, can I do those? Can I do a push-up? Can I go down to the floor? Can I pause for two and then explode up? You know, just think of different ways to, yeah, just give it a little bit more spice, I guess you could say. Um, so like a variation that I'm working on right now, but I, I do get to use a cool equipment, but a, ver a variation I'm working on is I'm seeing how high I can get in my squats without using my belt because I was using my belt to aid with an injury so now, now that I'm rehabbing off of that, I'm getting higher and higher and higher in my squats without using a belt. A belt is a variation. As far as what you should get for your home gym, I would say bands are my favorite. Barbell, like one barbell, you can do so much work with just one, and you can usually buy them for cheap at, uh, I don't know if you guys have, like Play It Again Sports or any secondhand shop um, with the barbell. <sighs> hold off on buying anything new right now. You're going to play, pay about two times what it's worth. Um, but sandbags are great. If you can find anything. So I don't actually use sand. I, use, I prefer gravel because it's not as fine or dirty. And I've actually just put them in big buckets and I make people carry them up and down. Like you, you can do anything. Find a, find a huge rock and practice picking it up and putting it onto something else. That's what I was talking about earlier. Movement can be found um, anywhere and just kind of test your, test what you can do and what you can't do and then kind of build off of that. My question's for Natalie. Um, I have low thyroid levels and I take uh, Lexapro for that. Like, is there anything nutritionally that you would suggest for somebody with that issue? Like, or just the same things that you've said. Yeah, so when it comes to that, it's all about hormones. And hormone balancing is basically everything that I do because it, it comes back to your balanced meals. Balanced plate reflect, a, a plate reflects the balance in your body. So if you don't have a balanced plate, balanced nutrition, you're going to have imbalances in your system. So focus on the balanced meals to start. And that will absolutely help. I literally have... I mean, of the 100 students I've worked with, I'd say at least 50% have a thyroid issue. And it's absolutely resolved. And maybe not 100%, but they are working off medication, things like that over time, just simply through being able to prioritize their nutrition. And um, the other thing I'll say is there is a supplement that's like uh, situational. Obviously, you always talk to your doctor first because of contraindications with other medications, but it's tyrosine. L-tyrosine. Um, I actually took this. If you have a history of low thyroid, hypothyroidism, or thyroid issues in the family, and or it's basically an amino acid. So anything that you, if you are a chronic dieter, if you had an eating disorder in the past, all those things can contribute to depleting that store, which is really good for memory and energy and hormone regulation. 
So I took it because I knew I had a history of an eating disorder. And so I was like, it doesn't hurt. I'm not on any other medications. I want to try this because it's natural, which is good because it's amino acid. So literally there's nothing that can be an issue with taking it, except if you're on meds because you just want to make sure with your doctor. And a lot of the times I have students on meds. I'm like, tell your doctor. They ask them. It's like, yeah, give it a shot. So it's 500 milligrams you take. And basically you'll have instant results of energy and memory and cognition and balancing um, if you need it. And if you don't have anything, you try a second dose. And then you basically use that as your measuring point. And the cool thing about it is it's not a permanent um, supplement. It's, it's like cyclical or like as needed. So I don't currently take it, but I took it for consistently three months. Um, and it was completely like changing because I was like, man, my mood is like kind of erratic and I was eating right and all that kind of stuff. So I implemented it for that reason because I was like, oh, wow. When it listed kind of who were good candidates for it, I was like, I have history of all this stuff. And even though I'm eating good, I could still have depleted my stuff from so many years ago. So let me give it a shot. Literally the second I took it, just instant. And so that's a supplement I would recommend looking into. Okay, you have to write that down for me. Yeah. <laughs> L-tyrosine. Um, L-tyrosine. Okay. So from a supplement perspective, that can have also people adrenal fatigue. <laughs> so thyroid is directly related to kind of our HPA axis, which basically is our stress response system. Anytime we're stressed, chronically stressed, which is basically if you're chronically upset about your boss <laughs> and then jujitsu and like everything, if you consider yourself a stressed out person, you probably qualify for tyrosine to some degree. <laughs> and, and so what this helps do is just kind of regulate that nervous system. So it'll kind of be in one of the indicators of that. So I would say that would be a supplement and then diet first. I have a competition question. Great. Um, <laughs> Bring them on. We don't have a huge women's program yet at my gym, uh, but it's growing. But I am, you know, I'm at the 165, 170 range. And I don't have anyone at my gym who is my size. So that we have a few ladies who are much larger and a lot who are, or the rest are quite a bit smaller. So the first time I ran into a woman my own size was at a competition. And that's actually still before now where, where I've, so what are, what are your recommendations? And we have such a variation in size. I think that this is not, you know, a big or medium or small person problem. I think it's everyone could, could potentially be this. What are your recommendations for women who are mostly training with men whose bodies are just the masses in a different place, They're, they move differently, and who don't have as much access to training partners that are of comparable size or shape. Okay, so I didn't, I didn't even roll against a woman until I competed for the first time. Um, and I still, I have one student who's actually from here who's similar size to me, but she's a blue belt. Um, I never get to train with women my size. I can, there are like three of us black belts at my size. So I roll with everybody, everybody. And I always have, I roll with the guys. Um, I roll with guys that are smaller and faster guys that are smaller and stronger guys that are bigger. Um, I had a match with Gabby Garcia last year and how do you find a six, three, 250 plus pound <laughs> chick? Like you don't. So I train with my husband who is six, three and about 200 and he's a brown belt. I go up and train with my coach who is six, five and 310 pounds, uh, multiple time world champion, <laughs> get my ass kicked. 
I train with everybody and I roll with everybody when I'm competing. Um, I often have to go against like this. <laughs> We've never gone against each other. <laughs> but um, I have actually more trouble with the smaller girls because they're faster and you won't hold still. But that's my, I mean, like I roll with everybody like getting ready for Gabby was a whole different situation of like, all right, she's going to be bigger and stronger than me. And I never, I never face that. I'm always a stronger girl. So that's hard for me, but like going forward, I'm always going to roll with whoever I can. And I own my own gym now and it's, we're very small. So I don't have, like, I have three brown belts, one purple and the rest are blue and whites. But one thing I've learned, um, we have a friend, like I've traveled, um, I've taught a couple of Globetrotters camps across Europe. And um, there's a guy named Preet Mickelson who's in Estonia. And he, if you guys like look him up, he is incredible. Preet Mickelson, uh, P-R-I-I-T. He talks about rolling with people below you, below your level and trying stuff out on them first. If I teach like my blue belts something and then they try it against me, it's probably not going to work. So try it against someone you can get it on first and then work your way up. So that's something else. But um, there's a ton of people like I'm going to give like a whole TED talk later during my session today. I have some things I want to just talk about. But there are some really incredible people out there that aren't big names that you can learn from, too. And I think Preet is definitely one of those that he it, he doesn't compete, but he teaches at, at uh, seminars and camps across the world. And he's he's awesome. But, yeah, my, I think I train with everybody. You're never going to find the person that's exactly like the person you're going to compete against in training. And then what I've started doing is I've started bringing my black belt friends in to train with me. Dominica, I'm going to, I'm going to always butcher her name. Help anyone. Oh, Ob Obelente. It's um, She, I brought her out twice in the past year and she kicks my ass and it's amazing. Um, she's probably one of the, I think she's the best black belt I've ever rolled against, but bringing other people like that. But here, I think I want to say this. I think a lot of women right now, say, I don't have a training partner that's my same belt level or my same size. And I get that question a lot. And, and I just want everyone to know, neither did we. Like, it's not a secret. Like nobody has the perfect training. I want you to know, nobody has a perfect training partner. And if they do, it's because they actively went out and sought that person somewhere else. Um, so like, like she said, you know, my training partners when I started was a 14 year old Mexican kid that that's now one of our black belts. And he because he was the closest to my weight at that time. And this guy named Possum, who choked me like 20 times around, because he was closest to my weight at the time. He was a purple belt, had a purple belt and a white belt, and me. And I made them come in two hours for class, because the only time I could get daycare to watch my kids so I could roll for an hour before I had to go compete at the Worlds. Like, like they were it. Because my husband's was about 220 at the time. He's about 200 now. But like we, there's just no perfect training partner. The best thing I can tell you as far as all of it is to take each role. What can I get from rolling with this person? Um, if they're bigger than me, I can use working on my distance, controlling their hips, not getting smashed. If they get too close or are starting to get a good grip, then I back out. I reset my guard. Those are the things I work with. Um, like if Hillary and I are rolling, I'm not letting her get my pant legs. Like, like that. She's not going to, she got to beep that out. Um, like I'm not letting her pin my, I don't want to move. I, I said, sorry. Um, 
like, I'm not letting her pin my feet to the mat so I can't get my hips out and get back to my guard. Um, if I'm rolling with someone who's smaller than me, I'm going to work on controlling them. I'm going to work on my top game, whatever it is. Um, you can improve your game no matter what person you're rolling with. Like I roll with white through, I, we have every belt level at my gym and female. Well, I take the back. I just promoted my brown belt to black belt. So there's two female black belts in our gym now, which is unheard of. <laughs> it's unheard of. But I mean, she'll be here this evening. But I roll white to black and I get something out of every round. So if you go into it with that mentality of like, okay, this person's not the same size, or bigger or smaller, male, female, different belt rank, you got to go in with it. I'm going to get something out of this round. And I get something out of every round. Man, some of those white belts are trying to murder me. They're like trying to murk me. And I'm like, geez, you know, but they're, I'm like, okay, I got, I got to work on my cardio because this little spastic girl is fast. Okay. I got something out of that round or they try these flailing kick. I'm like, they're like, I learned it from so-and-so. And I was like, oh God. Okay. So I still get something out of that round. Um, that's, I think if you just change your mentality a little bit to like, okay, well, I may not have the same person as my size or belt level, but each round I'm going to get something out of that round. Does that make sense? Okay. I hope that answered the question. And I'm sorry, I cussed. <laughs> Not that bad. I'm happy to actually have you in the same space since we talk about you all the time. Just for the record, everyone's like, AJ talked about you on the podcast. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I like every podcast we bring up. I know. We set you a chair. So that that you, do, you should put the, does it start with the intro should be, I hate your hair. <laughs> <laughs> She likes to categorize me as very like Ralph Lauren, Banana Republic type. Yeah, I am. That's what I. But this is who I am. I don't try to be anybody else. Like, like it, it is. Anyway, let's pass that. Okay. So my question is, from a coaching standpoint, how do you bring out the competitive side of students who are more shy or timid? My answer to that is, you have to ask why they're competing first, and if they don't want to compete. I always encourage competing. AJ does too. I think everyone does. That's up here probably. I think in competition, you learn a lot about your flaws, the weaknesses in your game, and just about your personality, how you're going to respond to fight or flight in, in general. I just think it's a good growth experience, regardless of whether you're a competitive person or not. I highly suggest everybody does it. I do understand there's some people that do not, but I still suggest you try it once if you've never done it. Um, to encourage someone out of their shyness to get into it, you have to ask them their why. You know, why do you want to compete? Do you want to be a world champion? Do you want to do it because your daughter's doing it? Do you just want to prove to yourself that you can do it? Do you want to overcome your fear? If they don't know why they're competing, if they're only showing up because everyone else is competing, then they're not going to do very well. Because as soon as there's any kind of friction or any kind of obstacle, they're going to stop. That's why when there's a... <laughs> this is one of my favorite sayings. Everyone talks about fighting and you can't, when people say you, you got to fight hard, I don't think they really understand what you're talking about when they say you got to fight hard. Um, you can't just fight hard. And then when it gets difficult, be like, oh, there's, it's difficult. I mean, you got to fight hard. Like you're the third monkey on the ramp to Noah's Ark and it's starting to rain. All right. Like you got to fight hard. Okay. Like, 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 like this is like, you know what I'm saying? Like a little crazy. And, but if you don't know what, what your purpose, if you're, if you're, if you don't realize in your head, I'm the third monkey, I'm going to get left, you know, you don't have a reason to fight hard. So I know it sounds crazy, but like if you don't have a reason to do it, like when, when I started, 
cause I didn't, when I started coaching, I started coaching at, at a very low belt level. Cause again, there wasn't very many women and I sort of defaulted into coaching. Um, cause they're like, Oh, you're a girl and you're not a white belt. Here you go. Yeah. So you're in charge. Okay, fine. But I didn't know how to motivate some of them. And my thing, <laughs> most of my competitors at that time were moms. Um, and I said, look, you, you fight like someone tried to take your baby, like, you know, and you got to get him back. And that's the only, that's the only motivation I could come up with. And that's works for Cassidy, one of my girls. And she's like, all right. And you know, you got to find out what's going to work for them, but it may it comes to their why, why are they competing? So one thing I'll say too, is like, don't underestimate them. Right. So when she first started, I was like trying to make everything like super easy and I didn't want I didn't want to like scare her away right and then one day we were working mount escapes and she was like that's the best class we've done so far and I was like oh I was I was taking it easy because I didn't want to scare you away right <laughs> and then so one of my girls that was in here earlier you know when she started she was like I'm I'm never gonna compete I never and then gradually we started realizing that she was matching people's aggression a little more so like in grip fighting and rolling whatever like if you go super light with her she's going super light too but if you start picking it up she starts picking it up so don't underestimate them like challenge them and push them I think that'll help a lot yeah yeah <laughs> beat them up make them fight for it <laughs> And what I do, I have a, a couple girls that are really like shy people, but I'll be like, I'll joke with them and be like, don't let her do that to you. Like, and then that starts to help them. We also like, again, pre-COVID, I, we try to do like pods of people. So it's like three or four people in a group and one person's in, and then it just encouraging them. And then sometimes like if somebody is competing or someone needs a boost, I'll come over and be like, yo, let them have the thing don't tell them that you're letting them have the thing, but let them have the thing so that they build up their confidence. So that's something I do too. I think you kind of have to pick a mindset that fits them too. Like AJ used to always try to get like really mean and aggressive. Like I'm going to be mean. I'm going to go out and just murder them. And that's just not AJ. Like anybody who knows AJ knows that she's just like the nicest person. So like, you know, she kind of changed her mindset to like, okay, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to, you know, listen to fun songs and stuff like that. So just reframing it. So, you know, some people don't like the word aggressive, for example. You know, one thing I like to say is assertive. Assertive is a more like neutral term that doesn't have as much of a negative connotation. So sometimes just reframing it to a word that makes them feel aggressive or assertive or whatever is helpful. Okay, I have a little bit of a different approach. Um, not, <laughs> no, not not in the not in a way of like how we treat our teammates or anything like that. Because everything, yeah, I do everything that they do. Like how we were t talking about in the talk, I I kind of set a map for them. This is what this practice should feel like. This is what you should be getting out of this practice. You should be at 70% of this, 80% of that. Um, so when I lay some sort of, here's what you should expect, here's what it should fe fe feel like um, for both partners, then we tend to have a smoother practice as well. So if I say we're gonna do drills for you know a minute and a half to ramp up for, we're strictly doing take takedowns, I need you to go at 75%. Most of the people in there have an idea of like, okay, that should feel like this, it should look like this. I'm not trying to drop them into the mats, but I should be technically sound and going hard. So yeah, every everything here, I add the extra, just because of the strength background, I add, okay, what does that look like? What does that feel like? I've actually, I've got one more thing. Again, I'm kind of taking this from Preet. I'm trying to have our students now give each other feedback, even when drilling, because I can walk around and watch, 
but the partner knows best what they feel like. So if by saying, you know, you could go a little harder that, I don't know, I, I'm trying to really encourage feedback of like training partners, especially right now, like we, we're having quarantine partner classes. So people are training with the same one person. It like we're, we have to wear masks in Portland right now. Like it's, it's different. Um, but having each other give each other feedback, I think is really going to be helpful too. I'm just going to throw a curveball. None of you are, are expecting, but I would say breath work <laughs> and um, really like not to talk too much on it, but basically one of the things that breath work is really good for and why I integrate it and what I do is it really helps you develop a deeper connection to yourself and helps you develop self-trust. And part of why people are lacking, you know, can be lacking confidence is just not lacking their ability to trust themselves. And so just it's just simply just a modality that they can implement on their own time that will just, through consistency, build self-trust in themselves. There's so much more I could talk on that, but I'll just say that's like the basic. And so that could just be, and for an introvert, that could actually also be another practice that they don't have to talk to anybody else, but it could be a way of them strengthening their own confidence and kind of building that. And then that will kind of manifest physically in their training. So it's just like a completely different approach, um, but it definitely satisfies more of that mindset side of things. I've competed twice and I didn't really do very well. So I, it makes me feel really bad about myself. And then sometimes to rolling, you tend to kind of maybe feel bad about yourself. So what are I, any, this can, any of you, all of you, what are some ways that you can help build your own, you know, that's okay. I did okay. I didn't, yeah. How do you not beat yourself up? Yeah. So Rachel looked to me like you got this right. <laughs> I'm not good at competing. I compete. Well, I mean, I only got to compete once last year, just one time. I really wish it had been more being that 2020 is what it is. Um, but before that I competed more than just about anybody on our team. I'm not great at it. I've won some good stuff, but I've also lost far more. <laughs> um, part of why I compete is the person I become leading up to competition, right? I eat better. I, you know, train harder. I take better care of myself. Like I do more recovery things. So it's about who I become leading up to that competition. Stepping on the mats is a win for me. Like I have super bad anxiety the whole time I'm in the pin. Like I've had panic attacks between matches. Like the anxiety is awful but I still get out there and I still do it and I get better. I get better at the competing part and I get better with my anxiety. And the more I do it, the more comfortable I am with it. So you just have to know like what your wins are. Like, is it just that you're trying to go out there and win? Or is it that you're, you know, like uh, Masters Worlds, I think three years ago, it was right, like maybe four years ago. I don't know, somewhere in that. I pulled off my game plan perfectly. I did exactly what I wanted. <laughs> I pulled guard. I locked up a baseball bat choke. I let her pass. So, you know, locked up the choke so hard. She like went limp and I was like, oh my God, she's out. I let go. She took my back and choked me out. She's choked me out before in competition too, but <laughs> that's how we became friends. Um, <laughs> Uh, she loves that I bring it up every time too. It choked me out. I didn't even remember how I lost. Like it was like hours later where I was like, 
did I get choked? <laughs> but I was so insanely proud of myself because I went out there and did exactly what I planned to do. So don't just make the wins about whether they're gold medals or not. Make them about being better with your anxiety or trying to hit one takedown or trying to hit one sweep you're trying to do or defending and, you know, like not getting some, whatever it is, figure out what your goals are. It doesn't have to just be for the gold medal. And I was going to add on to that. And it adds on to what sort of what Natalie spoke about earlier in her session about adding incremental steps into it. Like you can't just switch your entire life tomorrow. So like what AJ was saying is, make one change. If that change is, I'm going to try this takedown in this match. Great. And you hit that fist win. Now we all want to win. Ain't nobody's stepping out there being like, I'm just showing up for the experience. All right. <laughs> and if, and if you're saying that you're lying to yourself and everybody else, cause you want to win. I mean, it's a human response. Okay. So, and if you ask anybody that they, if they don't get nervous or they're not fearful, they lie. And if they say they don't, I, I will tell you that like, they're the only person that ever said that, that I genuinely may believe is Michelle. She's like, yeah, I don't get nervous anymore. Okay, cool. You can get away with that. But the rest of us are like, mm, this might go really bad. Okay. So everyone is feeling that way. And Hillary and I were just talking about before we got up here, our first black belt matches. And how we got our ass handed to us. I didn't. I oh, you won? Okay, well, I got my ass handed to me. She won. I got my ass handed to me, okay? Like, and my very first jiu-jitsu match was against Kat Zagato. Also got my ass handed to me. Now, that's how it started. I wasn't great as a YPL. I was, I can't say that on whatever, okay? I was bad. Like, closed guard, not opening my guard, not anything else, okay? And I wasn't that much better at blue belt, but the incremental adding to it, the incremental successes added up to where then the accolades came. So we're not spring chickens, you know, like we aren't, we're fighting a 22 year old. Sometimes it's just going to end bad. Okay. <laughs> now, whatever, like my, and this is what Hillary and I were talking about. It's like both of our matches were against adult black belts. Our first matches, our first, my first black belt match was against an adult black belt first 10 minute round, you know, and that's when you're, Four, I was, I guess, 38 then. No, I can't do math either. 37. And, um, you know, that's just like, you're like, okay, I'm going to go out and do that. And that was a win for me. You know, 10-minute match, black belt, I'm going to do it. Even though, like, I got destroyed, okay? That's where the mindset comes into, and it builds on to what Allie said, incremental changes adding into it. AJ saying, think about other things than the win. But it ties into what she talked about earlier. It's your own journey, and nobody else is watching. Like you think you're out there and everyone's paying attention to you. Like if you're at the pans, the Royals or wherever you're at competing, they're like, oh my gosh, there's all these people. And there's like four people watching. Like your coach, your boyfriend and your kid maybe. Nobody else cares about Matt Seven over there, okay? <laughs> I promise, I promise, I promise, all right? Like they just don't, unless you end up on some hi someone's highlight reel or whatever. But they just don't. So it's not the end of the world. Like. I have stepped with the Pan Ams or the Worlds, whatever, and they're the big jumbotron. You look up there like, oh, like there, there you are, full throttle up there, you know? But they announced your name. And so my, I was Jeff says Rachel Noel Morrison, but they didn't say Morrison. See, when Noel says, they go, they go, Rachel Noel. And I'm like, oh, that's me, because they didn't say Morrison. They said my name, Representative Zenith, Zenith. I'm like, oh God, that's me. You know, you're running out there, okay? Cool. But like, Again, nobody cares but like three people, all right? I promise, I promise. So you can't beat yourself up about that. You just gotta keep showing up and doing the work. And the only way you get better at jujitsu is doing more jujitsu. Like, 
I'm a firm believer in that. So the incremental thing, which everyone's talking about, is just getting better. Does that help? And the, the nobody cares is especially true in class, right? Like you're, just, you're rolling. Some days you get beat up. Some days you do great. Like there are very few times that I leave jujitsu and I'm like, I think I know jujitsu. Like, <laughs> it's very, very seldom. <laughs> I can think of the last time and it was like a year and a half ago. So <laughs> every gym has those people. Every gym has those people that only roll with the brand new people to make themselves feel better. Don't be that person. But you're there to get better at jujitsu. Like some days you just get your butt handed to you. Like I can't say other things. Like some days you're just not doing good. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fraining. And you know, it's just, it, and that's okay. Like there are days where I'm like, man, I really wish I had taught them stuff, this stuff for the last two years because they're getting a lot better and it's harder, you know? And, and it was a lot easier when they didn't know anything, you know? And like true. And, and I don't teach them anything. I don't know the defense to. That's step one. But at some, at some point they're going to be better than you. And, and there are days when I'm like, well, that didn't go well. You know, I can play it off. I was like, oh, I'm tired. I'm like, no, she just beat me and was faster, you know? So you just realize those days are going to happen. And it doesn't get better at each belt level. It's, you'll have the same thing. A black belt, I still have the same thing where I'm like, mm-hmm. well, we're going to start over tomorrow. Okay, so just know it's total human response and everybody's having the same feelings. One thing I tell my students and I tell myself and it started, I, I tried to run, like I ran half marathons, marathons, because clearly I'm a marathon runner. <laughs> I give myself three goals and I tell my students this, a goal that's totally attainable. Like you show up, you make weight, you get on the mats. Two, you don't like fall over. And three, you win a match. And you can make a fourth one of like, I win my division. But incremental goals that you can reach is something like I tell my students, I have a few students that are not terribly athletic and don't really win matches. But like, if they go out there and do a like decent job or like I had one guy it was his first tournament. He went out, I think it was like 20 to nothing, but he kept coming back. Like he got, he got tossed. He got his guard back. I'm like, cool. He swept the guy. He got his guard pass and slam. It was, it was awful, but he kept coming back. And I was like, but you, you didn't give up. So that's a win right there. And I think also like getting ready to compete, you get better just in the, the process of preparing and everyone around you gets better too. And about being hard on yourself in the gym, like one of my blue belt guys, like he can kick my ass sometimes. And I'm like, oh man, this blue belt just tapped me. But then I'm like, well, maybe I'm coaching better because he's learning all my tricks. <laughs> Don't compare yourself to anyone else. And this is another one of my my little Hillary TED talks is like everyone has their own journey and your journey is different than everyone else's. So you can't compare. Don't compare yourself. That's something that we all do in life. And like I'm going to talk about it more, but it's your journey. It's it, find something good every day. And if you come to yoga tomorrow, we'll talk about this too. I will be there <laughs> at 7 a.m. Yeah, 7 a.m. It's 4 a.m. for me, but <laughs> it's cool. Um, uh, it, when you, when you practice yoga or something like that, or breath work, if you focus on something positive, that's going to help you long-term. Just because I was recently experiencing this. So breath work 100% will help you with this 100%. It's helped me dramatically. Um, but I noticed that like maybe a couple months ago being pregnant, one of my ego thoughts was, oh my God, I'm going to be so behind because I can't train as much and I can't do all this stuff and it's nine months, oh my God, and then who knows when I'm going to recover afterwards and then all the people who are this belt are going to go to the next belt and oh my God. And then I realized, whoa, okay, that's not my journey. And so I just 
and was able to kind of redirect and be like, I'm doing a great thing right now. <laughs> I'm going to honor this. But just literally piggybacking what they said of just like whatever your journey is, because I also work with a lot of athletes who like are injured and they expect to be exactly where they were before they were injured. Like right when they step back on the mat, it's like, no, your cardio sucks. Your conditioning sucks. You have atrophy. Like, so what is your goal now? Like be willing to set goals, but know that based on what happens in your journey, flex like be flexible with your approach and know that your goal may change like my goal coming back on the mat is not probably going to be win pan ams you know it's going to be like let me just get like an endurance back or you know whatever it is i don't know what it is yet but i know that it's not going to be what it was this march (laughs) because i'm just going to be in a completely different state of body and whatever so like just remember that like whatever that is for you don't fight and resist what is Um, because a lot of people are you know with covid pregnancy, injuries, they try to not use it as an excuse, but almost like as a reason why it's holding them back instead of seeing like, what can you do in this time? Like what is possible for you? What is the goal that you can focus on instead of what you can't? Cause that's really going to help you make, make a more enjoyable journey for yourself. So it's just, again, like you, everybody has a different process. Everybody has a different thing what they're going through and also just stop worrying about when you're getting your next stripe and your next belt please stop putting yourself on a timeline because your coach knows when you're ready and then the funny part is we all want our stripe we all want our belt and we like pray for it every single night and then the second you receive it you don't think you're worthy of it (laughs) so it really makes no sense for you to stress about it (laughs) so like just embrace your process because every time that you focus on that fixated outcome you're not embracing the process of what she was saying, kind of like the journey is the destination. You know, so really embracing that, like this is part of my jujitsu journey. You know, how I cope with this nine months is part of my jujitsu journey. Am I gonna be a longer brown belt? Probably, you know, but like that's not up for me to be fixated on. You know, so when you have an injury, don't resist the injury. Focus on what do I need to focus on now? What is my goal now? It's maybe I haven't been worried about my nutrition. So maybe I really need to focus on my nutrition now because I need to recover, you know? So does that make sense? Like just kind of adjust your approach and realize that all of it is part of your journey. It's not just about like the one thing. That's all I'd say. Okay, that's all the time we have for the Q&A. Thank you guys very much. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed that and we will see you on the mat. So here you go. Q&A from Role Model Camp 2021. Nope. <laughs>